myself uh, and let him know that uh, we were going to be planting a church and ask him to pray for us. Well, the very first church I went to was a church uh, just northwest of Atlanta, Georgia, called Westridge Church. Uh, and I, I found the secretary's information there. I uh, told her who I was, that I was going to be planting a church, asked if I could meet the pastor. Uh, and she said, you can meet the pastor real quick at the end of the service. Uh, he'll meet you at the side of the altar. He'll be able to pray for you. And that I was promised about two minutes. Uh, so I met him after the service. We talked for just a few minutes. And while we were talking, his secretary came up and told him that his lunch appointment had been canceled that day. So he invited my wife and I to lunch. And while we were eating lunch, he said, tell me who you are. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me about the church. And we told him all about the church we were planning. Uh, and he said, do you have a church planning network that's helping you? And I said, I've never even heard of that. And he said, well, how are you going to plan a church without someone, you know, helping you and, and coaching? He said, do you have a church planning coach? And I said, no. And he said, what's your plan? And I said, I don't know. I just I, I was just going to start a church in nine months. And he said, well, look, our church has a church planning network. It's called Launch. And it exists to help young guys like you basically learn how to plan a church and to walk with you through that process to help fund you. And he said, we're going to give you a church planning coach that is a guy you can call anytime between now and when you start. Uh, you'll do 12 virtual sessions, so 12 times every other Thursday. We get on the, the, the website with each other for about four hours and basically taught me how to plan a church. Uh, the Launch Network, we talk about our causes at this church. Every time you give in the offering, uh, we, we take a portion of that offering. We send it to Africa. Uh, we send it to India, a ministry that we support there. We send some to Romania, and we give a lot here locally to hungry kids in need. But we also support the Launch Network which is a church planning agency. Next year, the church planning agency that, that we and other churches are sending money to are, is going to plant 21 churches uh, all around the country. One of them is actually in Lawrence, Kansas. Brandon, will you, will you and Wendy stand up, if, uh, if you would? Brandon Brillhart and his wife uh, are here today. Brandon and Wendy are actually planting a church in Lawrence, Kansas. And those of you who went to KU know that K, man, Lawrence needs more churches uh, for the young kids. But they are one of launches 21 churches next year. And every time you give any offering, we're taking a portion of it and sending it to launch so they can give it to people like Brandon and Wendy. So would you welcome them to Journey Church International? They're just here hanging out with us today, but uh, we're excited for them to launch. And listen, those of you who know students, professors, families in Lawrence, you need to let them know Brandon's coming, and you need to tell them to go help him because he needs help as he gets his church off the ground. Uh, but my church planning mentor, my church planning coach, uh, everything you see, uh, this man helped me put together, is here to speak to us today. He started a church uh, many years ago, pastored it for, uh, for seven years, and then he went and took a leadership development position at Seacoast Church, which is one of the great churches uh, in the country, runs over 12,000, actually have 14 different locations. Um, it's, it's just a, a massive movement of God in the South Carolina area, and now he's helping young guys like me learn how to plant churches, and he's here today to preach to us. So would you welcome Mac Lake to the stage, if you would. Mac, come on up. And, man, we are so glad you're here today. Mac's son, Brandon, who was leading worship, the guy leading worship is actually his son. They're not at the same church, but we decided to bring them in together. So, Mac, man, we're glad you're here. Oh, man. Take Thank it away, you. brother. Thank Minister you. to us. Yeah, if you look at my son and just well, just picture me with long, curly hair, and you'll go, wow, that's, yeah, they're, they're related. Yeah. <laughs> Christian, thank you so much. Uh, it is so good to be here with you and Danielle and your team. Uh, this is so freaky because we planted a church in 97 in Myrtle Beach, and it's so much. I mean, this stage is just its just like going back in time, isn't it? This is my wife, Cindy, over here. It's like going back in time, and it's just so crazy, except you're doing a much better job than I did, and uh, <laughs> which is really, really cool. Hey, I, I want to tell you something. I walk around, and I look at what's going on here. And you may know this, you may not know this. Sometimes you're so close to something you can't really see the big picture of it. But I want to tell you something. 
What's going on here at Journey Church International isn't normal. This isn't normal. God is doing something big here. God's doing something special here. I want to move here and be a part of it. (laughs) But I have a job and they probably wouldn't let me. But, oh my goodness, you guys, it's so cool to be here and to sense the power of God's Spirit working in this church, which will, it's going to change this community. And you get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of the ground floor of this, and it's so cool. And, and I want to tell you, because we planted, I know, what, I know what your future is. And you get to look back and you go, oh, my goodness, look at the lives God changed. Look at what happened, and look at what God did in our community. And it is a fun journey. It's a tough journey, but it's a fun journey, and you get to be on it. And I want to tell you, there's nobody better to be on this journey with than Christian and Danielle Newsom. The, the moment I met them in, in, in January of last year, whenever it was, and, and we spent, Cindy and I spent two days with them and just hanging out with them, and we saw that this couple, is, they're the real deal. So if you're wondering, <laughs> stop wondering, they're the real deal. The humility, the leadership strength that, that we see in this couple and the anointing that God has on their lives is just amazing. So you're, you're fortunate to be a part of something that's not only going to be a, a great church, but a healthy church, a healthy church. And don't you want to be a part of a healthy church? You know, that's exciting. Well, hey, thank you again for letting me be here. Um, I was really glad when, when Christian said, how many of you done your Christmas, Christmas shopping? And like nobody, I think you raised your hand, sir. There were few, very few others. No, you didn't. Okay. He lied earlier. And so, you know, <laughs> so, you know, it, it, I'm glad because now I feel like I'm not, you know, not the only one. Well, the truth is I really don't do a lot of Christmas shopping because I'm not good at it. In fact, Cindy looked at me the other day and she said, have you ever bought a Christmas present? And she was referring not to this year. She meant the history of my life, you know. And here was my answer. I said, only for you, honey. I thought it was romantic. She thought it was a bit lazy. (laughs) But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm not a great gift buyer. In fact, I think we we had been married four or five years. And I went Christmas shopping. I bought her a present because that's my only responsibility every year is buy her a present. And so I bought her this gorgeous necklace, expensive, gorgeous necklace. I was young, you know, and I spent a lot of money on this thing. And, and so I was excited Christmas morning to see her response when she opened it. Because, you know, it's sort of like the Olympics, you know, when somebody opens the, the, the present. It's like, you know, oh, it's a 10. You know, if they go, oh, you know, you know you scored a 10, you know. And, and so she's getting ready to open the present. I'm sitting there anticipating, see how well I scored, see how well I did. And, and she opens it up. And she looks at it, and I was expecting this look of surprise, like, glory be to God, this is what I've always longed for. This is just amazing. You know that type of look of surprise? You know, and, and, but instead of that look of surprise, I got this look of surprise. What the heck? <laughs> are you serious? I mean, she wasn't saying those words, but it was the look on her face. Are, are, are you serious here? And I'm looking, and that was not the look of surprise I was going for, by the way. And, and, and so she looks at me, and she starts laughing. And I'm going, what? What are you laughing at? She said, Mac, this is the very same necklace you bought me last Christmas. <laughs> same exact necklace. I said, well, hey, if it works, keep going with it, right? She said, you know, 
it wouldn't bother me so bad <laughs> that, that you bought me the same present. What bothers me even more is that I've worn it every day this past year and you haven't noticed. I'm a terrible Christmas present buyer. I'm just not observant. You know, I just don't, I'm not attuned to my environment all the time. I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, I'm sort of the same way in life sometimes. Every day, every day you and I are surrounded by people. We're surrounded by people who are hurting. We're surrounded by people who have needs. And what I'm going to challenge you with today and what I want to talk to you about today is, guys, you've got something to give that can make a difference. You see, we're surrounded, we're surrounded by people who, who are hurting, they're discouraged, they're defeated. We're surrounded by people who've, who've lost direction, they've lost hope, they've lost faith, they've lost confidence. We're surrounded by people who are filled with shame, who are filled with guilt, who are filled with embarrassment because of junk in their past. We're surrounded by people who've given up on themselves. They've given up on their marriage. They've given up on their career. They've given up on other people. And they've even given up on God. We're surrounded by these type of people. And these people, some of these people live in your home. And some of these people are in your extended family. And some of these people in your neighborhood. And some of these people work in the cubicle right next to you. And some of these people go to school with you and walk the same halls of the school with you. And, and we pass them day in and day out. And there's, if, if you were able to take this x-ray and look inside their soul, you would see pain. You would, say, you would see bleeding. You would just see hurt. And there's something you can do about it. There's something I can do about it. There's a difference that we can make. We have something that will absolutely change the course of their life. I've been doing my quiet time in the book of Philemon lately. It's a little New Testament letter. And, uh, and God's been showing me some things from this passage over the past week or two that I want to share with you. It's a, it's a neat little letter. Paul wrote the letter, and it's a personal letter that he wrote to a very wealthy businessman. He, the guy was a marketplace leader. He was a Christian. He, he had a huge house, and, and the, uh, he had a church that actually met in his house, so maybe not this many people, but the, you know, people would come over and they would worship there in his home. You know, great guy. And, and because in, in the New Testament days, wealthy people had slaves that worked all kinds of positions in their home. Uh, he obviously had many slaves in, that, that worked for him. Well, there was this one slave whose name was Onesimus. And Onesimus apparently stole money from Philemon and split town. He left Colossae and he made the long trek up to Rome, I guess, you know, to, to, to start a new life in the big city. But when he was there... God's plan was for him to run into the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was in prison there. We have no idea how Onesimus ran into Paul there, but he did. And evidently, they spent time because when you read this letter, you go, my goodness, Paul loved this man, Onesimus. He believed in him. He spent time with him. In fact, he led him to Christ. He led him to give his, his life to Jesus Christ, and, and he became a new man. And so now, all of a sudden, Paul's, Paul picks up a piece of paper, and he writes this letter to this wealthy businessman, Philemon. 
And, and in verse 17, or yeah, verse 17, he says this. He's making a big ask. And he said, if you regard me a partner, accept him as you would accept me. If you have your Bibles, underline that word accept. That Greek word accept means to reach out and to intentionally take hold of something and bring it close to yourself. So he's saying, saying, Philemon, I want you to receive this guy. I want you to accept this guy. I want you to embrace this guy. I realize that he stabbed you in the back. I realize that he deceived you. I realize that he stole from you. I, I realize that he hurt you. But I want you to reach out and intentionally pull him close to yourself because I'm sending him back to you. And Philemon had every right to throw Onesimus in jail. He had every right under the Roman law to beat him or even have him executed. And so Paul's saying, I want you, instead, I want you to receive him. I want you to give him acceptance. And I'm sending him back to you. And could you imagine, could you imagine what's going through Onesimus' mind? How in the world can I go back to that city? How can I go back and face the people that I deceived? How in the world can I go back and be accepted? This is going to be horrible. This is going to be embarrassing. You know, he's filled with anxiety. He was filled with shame. And he was filled with embarrassment. And Paul knew that he had to go back and he had to send him back. And Paul knew that if this little church that met in Philemon's home didn't accept him, didn't reach out and intentionally embrace him, that the good work that God had started in Onesimus' life may never take root and grow and this man become everything God wanted him to become. And so I'm reading this passage over the past couple of weeks, and guys, it's just blowing me away at, at what God is, and what, what Paul's asking Philemon to do. And here's the giant thing I want you to get today. Here's the one big thing that jumped out at me, and it's, it's this. When we give the gift of acceptance, when we give the gift of acceptance, it has the power to change the course of a life. It's a simple gift. It's a simple little gift. But when we give the gift of acceptance, we reach out, intentionally embrace somebody and pull them close into our life. It has the power to change the course of their whole life. Now, it's interesting to me is when Paul is confident, when Paul makes this ask later on, I think it's in verse 22, he, he says, I'm confident that you're going to do this. Now, how can Paul be so confident that Philemon is going to to receive and accept and give this gift of acceptance to, to Onesimus. Listen, in, in verse 4 through 7, listen to this, because I want you to see the kind of man that Philemon is, all right? Paul says, I always thank God for you when I mention you in my prayers. And I'm sorry, what's on your passage is different than what's on mine because I brought the wrong, I brought my wrong Bible on my iPad, so, <laughs> so it's going to be a little different. But it says, I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love. And I hear of your faith toward the Lord Jesus and, and for all the saints. And I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that's in us for the glory of Christ. And I have great joy and encouragement. Paul says, Philemon, when I look at you and I hear the story of the way you're loving people, I, I have great joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. It, it, Paul's so confident that, that, that Philemon's going to make the right choice and receive Onesimus in because he, he looks at Philemon's life and he says, you know what it is to be changed. You know what it is to receive the acceptance of God in your life. You know, you have pers- Philemon, you have personally experienced the love of God in your own life in a very real and powerful way. 
You've, you've, you've understood the, how God accepts you and loves you. And guys, here's something I've learned over the years. Changed people change people. And Philemon was a changed man. He was changed by the power of God. And changed people change people. Listen, you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. And, and Philemon was a man who had encountered the unconditional love of God. He, was, he encountered the abundant grace of Jesus Christ. He encountered the total acceptance of God in his life. He encountered it, and because he had received it, he could give it. We can't give what we don't have. And it takes a changed person to change people. I was thinking about this. And, and you know what? I think the number one reason, number one reason we have difficulty giving people unconditional love the, the number one reason we have a difficult time giving people acceptance and not being judgmental on them, the number one reason is we've not encountered it ourselves. Now, you may have given your life to Christ and, and you may have been forgiven of your sins, but can I tell you something? 90, it seems like 90% of the people I encounter, they go, yeah, I'm a Christian. I ask, I ask God to forgive me of my sins. But then when I dig a little deeper, if they're honest they're not comfortable with God. They're just not comfortable with God. I was meeting with my small group one guy one day, this group of guys, and I looked at him. I said, hey, guys, let me ask you a question. Do you think God likes you? And they start laughing, real uncomfortable. <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean? <laughs> I said, do you think God likes you? And they were like, I never thought about that before. Listen, I... I've been a Christian since I was nine years old. I'm 50 years old. I've been a Christian a long time. I know God loves me. I know it. I have no doubt. But there are times I still wrestle. Does God like me? You ever feel that? Sometimes I feel like I get on God's nerves. Sometimes I feel like he's like, my goodness gracious. You know, had an old football coach, you know, Shane Wiggins. He used to walk on sidelines. Dude, that's gracious, guys. What's wrong with you? And I just picture God up in heaven pumping that hat and walking and pacing. You know, and just like, what's wrong with you? And and so I sometimes I feel like I disappoint God. I let God down. How can God like me? I don't even like me sometimes. And how can God like me? How can God accept me? And what we do, you see, even though we accept Jesus Christ by grace, and we know He loves us, and we enter into that relationship with Him, we don't know how to walk in it. And we think it's about our performance. And God's going, hey, listen, I like, I don't just love you, I like you. I, I got a little girl, she's 16, her name's Brianna. And so when Bree was five, she was on the Little League basketball team, and I was her coach. So I remember it was the first game, and I'm standing on the sidelines, I'm coaching her. I look out there, and I know as a coach it shouldn't be like this, but I'm looking out there, and there's ten kids. But in my mind, there was only one kid on that court. You know, it was her. It was my little Brianna. And, and, and I love, man, I just, I, I love her. I enjoy her. And I'm sitting, I'm just watching her. And, and, and she's so funny because she's so prissy. She would run down the court, and she would stand there with her hand on her hip. And she's a little, she's from South Carolina, you know, and so she's standing with her hand on her hip. While the game's going on, and she's looking at her press-on nails now, and she's making sure they're all straight. And she's standing there like that. And then all of a sudden, somebody shot the ball, and somebody rebounded, and, and they took off down to the other end of the court. 
Sabrina noticed movement, so she went, and she, she flits herself down. And she's running down court when she runs over to me. And I'm thinking, what's she doing? I'm on the sidelines. She runs over to me. And I said, what is it, baby? What is it? She said, in that southern accent, daddy, will you hold my lip gloss? <laughs> Man, I love it. I love it. I was, it's so funny. And, and, and I was like, you know what? The girl didn't score a point all season long. She didn't. But it didn't matter to me. Because you see, it wasn't her performance that matters to me. It's her being. It's her person. And God's looking at you. And He's watching you run up and down the court of life. The court of life and He's going, I love you, but I like you. Do you realize Psalm 139 says that God created you with the personality that you have. He created you with the body that you have. He created you with the preferences that you have. God likes you. He created you a certain way because He likes you that way. And guys, as believers, we struggle embracing the total acceptance of God in our lives. And we walk through life Thinking, oh, thank God I'm saved, but God doesn't like me. And how can we ever give total, unconditional acceptance to others if we've never received it ourselves? If we don't believe it ourselves? You see, Philemon, he had experienced the unconditional love of God so he could give the unconditional love of God. He had experienced God's belief in him so he could believe in others. He had experienced God lifting him up and experienced the grace of God so he could give it to others. We can't give what we don't have. And so we have to, before we can give that gift of of total acceptance, we have to understand and experience the depth of God's acceptance for us first. Now, I'm going to show you something, okay? So so if if you want to give this gift of acceptance... And I promise you, it's an easy gift to give. And everybody needs it. Every single person needs it. But you've got to experience it before you can give it. But I, but I want to show you something, okay? Let's look at, at, um, at verse 7, okay? I want to show you the depth of Philemon's influence, the depth, the impact that, that acceptance can have. Okay, verse 7, he says this, For I have, come to ha- uh, I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. So Paul's saying, Philemon, the way you love people and the way you accept people and the way you serve people, it refreshes my heart. But the way you've done it has refreshed the hearts of the saints. If you have your Bibles, underline that little phrase, refresh the hearts of the saints. All right, that, Greek, that word in the Greek, that word refreshed, it means to help someone to regain their strength. It was used sometimes of the military, of the army who had been fighting hard, and then they had to retreat and they had to rest. They had to get refreshment. And so it's a time to rest and regain their strength. So Paul's saying, Philemon, you have helped believers regain their strength. You have refreshed their what? Their hearts. Okay? The Greeks, when they would read that, in, in Greek, when you read that word, it's not the word heart. It's, it's the word, basically, it's your gut. It's, it's the word they use for their innermost being, their soul. So, so listen, Paul's saying, Philemon, when I look at how you love people, you have given rest, you have restored the strength of the very soul of other people. Now listen to this. This is really cool. Now, that word refreshed, it's in the perfect tense, okay? 
So let, let me tell you what this means. Okay, this is really important when you look at this text. Refreshed means it's in the perfect tense. So in other words, he's saying, Philemon, there was a point in time where you reached out and you loved and you served and you gave acceptance to the believers and, and, and it refreshed. It gave them rest and, and it gave them strength in such a way that it happened in a moment of time, but that rest and strength continues on. They haven't lost it. In other words, the love and the acceptance that you gave the believers had a lifelong impact. It literally had a permanent impact on their soul simply by loving unconditionally and accepting those believers. And now Paul's saying, Philemon, I want you to give that same gift of love, unconditional love and acceptance to Onesimus, this man who I know he hurt you. But I want you to give it to him because when we give the gift of acceptance, it has the power to change the course of a life. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine what would happen in your home with your children? If you begin to look at them and you begin to give them total acceptance, you create an atmosphere of acceptance rather than an atmosphere of criticism and negativity and judgmental and, and, and beating them down with words. Rather, you create an atmosphere of positivity and acceptance and love and unconditional love. Could you imagine what would happen at work if you created the same thing? Could you imagine what would happen in your family if you gave that gift of acceptance to people who are hurting Workplace, school, whatever it is. It has the power to literally change the course of somebody's life. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's why we don't see people's lives changed by the power of acceptance. Because we walk around in a judgmental world. In a critical world. In a negative world. And so, guys, there are voices that surround people every day. Criticizing them. Telling them what they're not good at telling them where they failed, telling them why they should be discouraged, and just beating them down. These voices pour into our minds constantly, shaping this horrible self-image within us, and therefore it's hard for us to reach out and, and give to others. These voices are everywhere, it's, and they're negative. It's hilarious. I tell you what, when Brandon, when my son Brandon was, was four years old, Cindy and I took him to the doctor. And we walked into the doctor's office, and we sat there in a small room. I mean, it was 12 by 2, a very small room, chairs all around. And there's a lady sitting 10 feet from us on the other side. And she's got a little baby, probably about six months old, and she's bouncing the baby on her knee like that. Well, little Brandon, he waddles over, my little gentleman, if you get to know him, he's got personality plus. So he walks over, and he looks at the little baby, and he takes the little baby by the feet and begins to shake the baby's feet and talk and baby talk to the baby. I'm sitting back on. That's my boy. That's my little socialite. I mean, I was so proud of him, you know, in that moment he was being such a little gentleman. And then all of a sudden, he has this little baby by the feet and he looks the baby in the eye and he said, Is your mama ugly? Is your mama ugly? Yes, your mama's ugly. <laughs> we were humiliated. <laughs> It was horrible. And can I tell you something? There are people in your life, and there are people in my life, and there's people all around, and they're going around, and they're telling you, you're ugly. You're not good at this. 
you're not good at that. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too tall. You're too short. You're not mature enough. You're not smart enough. Your batting average isn't high enough. You're too inconsistent. You're too lazy. You work too hard. You overwork. Yeah, you know, it's all these negative voices. And they pour in every day. And, and so there's these tapes going through our, through our heads of how bad we are. Now, you flip that around and everybody you pass, the people we pass every day, they got those tapes going through their head because there are people all in their life saying, you're ugly, you're ugly. And can I tell you something? As believers, we've got something to give them. We've got something to give them, and it's the power of the unconditional love and acceptance of Jesus Christ. And they may not, they may hear, they may go to church and hear it, they may, you know, they may hear, they may read it in a book, whatever, but when they see it in your life, that's when it makes the impact. That's when it makes a difference. You see, when you give the gift, when you look around and you give the gift of acceptance to people around you who are hurting, who are having the negative messages, it literally can change the course of their life. It literally can change the course of their marriage. It can literally change the course of their parenting. It can literally change the course of their career. It can literally change the course of their emotions. It can literally change them even physically. When you look out and you accept them and you believe them. Now, I want to give you three next steps, okay? Three, three next steps that you can do, that you can put into practice this week. And we've got an army of 300 people in here. If you walk out these doors today and you're determined, you know what? I'm going to give the gift of acceptance and believe that the power of God is going to work through my acceptance to change the course of somebody's life. So right now, I just want you to think of one person. Okay? I just want you to think of one person. That person may be your spouse. Your spouse may be the one who's sitting beside you day in, day out, bleeding in their soul. Wishing that your marriage could become what it was supposed to become when it began. It may be your child. It may be your teenager. It breaks my heart. Guys, I come home, my kids come home from school every day and and they tell me stories of what's going on in the lives of their friends. And and I'm I'm watching from this distant view these teenagers who are just going and going over the cliff. They're just going over a cliff. They're throwing their lives away. It's unbelievable how many teenagers in in in, in Paulding County, Georgia are having sex at 15, 16 years old. My, my kids know girls who are pregnant and, 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 they're just, and, and they just keep going on that same trajectory. And I'm just like, well, somebody open their arms and show these kids unconditional love because that is the only thing that's going to change the course of their life. And so we've got the answer and it's not that difficult. And it's simply reaching out and giving acceptance. So think of what one person. Here's what I want you to do. Number one, your next step is look at the potential of that individual. Look at the potential of that individual. It may be your own child. But look at the potential and see them not for what they are, but what they can become. Don't look at people for what they are. Look at people for what they can become. My son Jordan, when he was just a little, little kid, he was always walking around smiling like this. And I said, I'm going to do an experiment. 
And, and so I'm going to call him Smiley. And I called him Smiley for years. And, and that kid, every time you see him, he's smiling. He's smiling. Because we spoke it into him. Sometimes all we have to do is speak something into somebody's life. See their potential and, and, and let them know about it. Second is listen. Listen. Listen to their story. Listen to their story. How do you listen to their story? You just ask questions. How many times have you sat down at lunch with somebody or meeting with somebody and they actually look you in the eye and start asking you questions about you? People just don't do that. So I want to challenge you to do that. You look at this person's potential and now sit down with them and just listen to their story. I, I love doing this with the kids. We'd be on trips and we'd, we'd be on a trip and we'd be driving and, and I'd say, let's play a game. Tell me, tell me your dream. Tell me where's one place you would love to visit. Tell me what's, what are three things that you would love to become when you grow up. And just ask them questions and let them tell their story. People are dying to tell their story. So listen to somebody's story. That alone opens up room for the power of God to work in their life. And then the last thing, lift them with words of encouragement. Lift them with words of encouragement. Instead of you, you ugly, <laughs> tell them the good things you see in them. Tell them the good. Here, here's something I've learned. The higher the confidence I have in somebody, and, and I verbally speak it, the higher confidence they have in themselves. The more I believe in them, the more they'll believe in themselves. It's amazing. So instead of criticizing people and pointing out bad things, find the good things and speak into that and watch them change. And it will refresh. <laughs> It'll refresh their soul. It'll literally change the course of their life. This one Sunday after church, I was standing out in the hallway and this young man came up to me and he was a little down. He said, hey, do you remember me? I said, yeah, you look familiar. He said, yeah, I'm from such and such city. And he said, I was driving through one day and sat down and you spent an hour with me. I said, yeah, I remember you. That was several years ago. He said, yeah. He said, I was in ministry and um, you sort of coached me through some things at the time. And I said, yeah, how are things going? He said, well, I just moved here to Charleston. I said, really, what did you move to Charleston for? Asking questions, and all of a sudden, he started telling his story. And guys, it wasn't a good story. 28 years old, and his life had fallen apart. Lost his job, losing his wife, broke. His life was a disaster. And I'm sitting there listening to this kid, and I said, let's go to lunch. Let's go to lunch tomorrow. And so I got together with him the next day and listened to more of his story. And when I sat across from this kid, I looked in his eyes and I looked in his soul, and there was so much potential there. It's like this, this giant potential that it just person who just crashed, and he's now he's laying there on the ground in this just heap. And he'd lost hope and he'd lost confidence and he lost faith and he lost belief and he's laying there. And, and, and so I'm just talking to him. And as I'm talking to him and listen to his story, I just begin to say, hey, I begin to reach out and begin to, to take a hold of him and intentionally invite him close into my life and begin to pull him into our family. And Cindy and I begin to spend time with he and his wife. And we begin, the more time we spent with him, the more potential we begin to see in him and the more we begin to speak into him. And I begin to talk to him about his gifts and I begin to talk to them about their passion. And we 
begin to talk to them about what their marriage could become. And we, we, we begin to identify the strengths in their marriage and their commonality, the, the common things they had in their marriage and things that we could build on. And we begin to just speak words of belief into them. And every time we would be with them and every time we would speak words into them, it was like all of a sudden this collapse, this big heap, all of a sudden it just began to fill up and 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 their confidence got bigger and their faith in God got bigger and they began to see their own potential because when they were down there in the heap they couldn't see it on their own. Somebody else had to see it for them and the only way was to reach out and give them acceptance and pull them close and speak into them and believe in them and guys we watched them change and we didn't do it. It was the power of God working through the unconditional acceptance that we were offering that literally changed the course of their life. They were headed for divorce. They were headed towards bankruptcy. They were headed towards a career that was just be miserable for him. But over a two-year period of time, we watched them grow. And now they have an amazing marriage. They've added two children since then. They're in ministry today. And people clamor, I promise you, clamor to be around them because of the light of Christ that shines through them. And if someone, doesn't matter if it's me or who, but if someone had not reached out to that pile of heap of broken life, that's probably where they'd still be today. God wants to use you. God wants to use you to give a gift this season that will literally change the course of somebody's life. And it might be your spouse, it might be your child, it might be a neighbor. But take these steps. Look at the potential. Listen to their story and lift them up with words of encouragement. And you watch what God will begin to do in and through you. That's the cool thing. I don't have time to cover it, but in verse 6, verse 6, basically, uh, Paul's telling Philemon, Philemon, as you are giving and you're sharing your faith and love, God is deepening your knowledge and understanding of Him. In other words, the more that you give away, the deeper you understand the grace and love of God in your own life. It circles right back around. There's no better season than this Christmas season right now to reach out and give a gift that everybody needs, that gift of acceptance. And then invite them. You take that little card. Invite them to a life-giving service where a guy who's authentic as you can get is going to stand up and share what God wants to do in their life. And because of the work you do, the course of their life can be changed. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, we thank you first that you love us, you accept us unconditionally. God, it'll take a lifetime and I'll never understand the fullness of, of the depth of your love. And God, while we were sinners, while our backs were turned against you, you still, you, you reached out and you said, I want a relationship with you. And you offer your grace. You offer your forgiveness. So God, we thank you for that. If you're here this morning and you've never come to that point in your life where you have surrendered your life to Christ, He's waiting. He created you just like you are. He loves you. He likes you. (laughs) 
He wants to take your life and turn it into something that you can't make it on your own. And that first step into that life-changing relationship begins with a simple prayer. And if you want to pray that today, just in the silence of your own heart, say, God, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross to take the penalty for my sin. So as best I know how, God, I'm not good at this stuff, but as best I know how, I receive you into my life today. Take me, change me, grow me. I follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you. Let's stand together as we sing this truth this morning. Savior, King of the mountains, my God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose to conquer the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Everyone needs compassion. Everyone needs compassion. Love that's never failing. Let mercy fall from me. Everyone needs forgiving. The kindness of a Savior. The hope of a nation. Savior, Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever, forever. Author of salvation, He rose to conquer the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Surrender this morning. See, so take me as you find me. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures. Yes, Lord. Fill again. Give my life to follow. Everything I believe in. Now I surrender.